home in Colorado Springs, so if you know of a great deal, let us know. Uh, uh, but keep praying uh, for them as they look. We are in our second week of uh, the series, Life Without Lack, and last week, I started with a story from uh, my social work days, and for whatever reason, I felt led to another story from social work days. It was, in fact, um, we were, there was a, a, a team, a staff team, about six or seven, and we were serving in drug and alcohol prevention. And uh, we had these different governmental contracts that were, uh, had different expectations, things that we had to uh, report on and, and different, different funding structures, and it was quite confusing. We had a director who hired me. His name was Steve's many years ago, and, and Steve was an experienced, very smart, really brilliant guy, but it didn't take long to realize that Steve really did not like to work a whole lot. <laughs> and he wasn't in the office a lot. And that had a negative effect, as you might imagine, on our team and being together. And so eventually the executive director, we weren't performing well as a team. They brought, she brought Steve in and said, listen, you guys got to do this. You got to shape up. Steve got us together. And he said, all right, there's a, there's a fire under me. We're going to go. We're going to reorganize. We're going to go. And then two weeks later, he found another job. So we were kind of left, discombobulated. We brought in the next director. Uh, this was Lenny. Again, experienced, brilliant guy. There was a social awkwardness, and we were concerned from day one. Couldn't quite follow what he was saying and did not ultimately get along with the executive director. So Lenny was trying to provide leadership, and then she fired him. And again, the staff team was discombobulated and we're wrestling there. So I was only about 25 and I felt so loud, I was super frustrated in the job and I said, I decided to have a meeting with the executive director and I said, listen, uh, if you make me the director of prevention, you don't have to pay me what you're paying these other guys. A raise would be nice, but you just... I just think if we had a, a little bit of consistency and leadership, we would be okay. So this wasn't really a power grab uh, on my part. I was already starting to feel a call into seminary and out of social work. And, but I, for one, I was just frustrated, right? Because we were not working as a team, we were underperforming. And second, the bar was so low, I thought if I could just show up, I'd be making a difference. So I still remember the first meeting as the executive, as the director of prevention, got out a whiteboard. I like whiteboards, and I got our contracts, our governmental contracts, and our and our staff, our six or seven staff. And we matched that. And we discussed that. Now, what help us understand what's going on? We got as a team, and we started working. We started performing, and it was really. It, it, it was a good step for us. I was only there for a year as a director, but we, we got on a team, and when I left for seminary, I felt like the team was there. Now, why do I share this story? Because last week, we began looking at Psalm 23, and we, we heard, those of us who heard the message, if you didn't listen to it online, we heard the invitation from the Lord that he would be our shepherd. 
Jesus as the good shepherd. So often we allow, we, we make ourselves the shepherd of our own lives or someone else or something else that's directing and driving our lives. Maybe a career or a role. And yet we realized if we are really going to receive this invitation from the Lord to a different kind of life, an almost inconceivable life that Psalm 23 represents, a, a life without lack, a, a life without need, a, a life that actually lives uh, in, in the peace and the, and the shalom and the contentment of God. As Paul saying, learn the secret of contentment. This Psalm 23 life, if we're really going to do that, we can have no other shepherd but God himself. Yes? Amen. So we learn that. So we say, okay. I've been, I've been driving my own life. I've been steering my own life. But now, an exciting moment, I get it. Maybe some of you had that, that light bulb moment. I get it. So I'm not supposed to keep grabbing, moving myself in the steering wheel of my life, but invite the Lord. He's inviting us. He's asking us if he can shepherd where we go and what we do. Verse 2 of Psalm 23 represents the first initiative, the first step that the Lord gives us. Some of you are trying to, okay, what is verse two? How is that? Now, now think about, before you think about verse two of Psalm 23, if you were given the shepherding responsibilities of someone else, what would be the first thing that would you do? Maybe your best friend. Would, would you help me out? I'm making a mess of my life. Would you shepherd? Maybe a spouse would be like, okay, I'll let you shepherd my life. What would be the first thing that you would do? Would it be, how can I work this for my own advantage? Would that be one thought uh, attempt? I'm the only sinner that thinks that way, yes? Would it be, okay, let's get out a whiteboard. Here's your mistakes. Here's what we can do. Here's what the initiative that you've got to take, right? Or maybe some of us would be, stop sinning, right? That's your pro. <laughs> what would be that first directive that you would give still the chaos okay let's read I, I think as I thought about Psalm 23 in this way I was surprised surprised at, at God's first initiative close your eyes again and read it at the top of the service but I want to read it again Close your eyes and listen, and listen to that, especially, I'll read the whole psalm, but listen to the, the second verse in particular, command of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes, restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely the goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what was the Lord's first command? Go lie down. Isn't that interesting? I mean, is it okay to say this on the 4th of July weekend? It feels a little un-American. Yeah. Right? As Americans, we're doers, right? As Americans, we like to, okay, God, I, I'm ready. I, I've been living and I've been serving these temporary things and ways. And now with you as my shepherd, I get to do cool stuff. I get to do eternal stuff. I get to live my life and leverage my life for eternal purposes. How exciting. Tell me what to do. And he says, go lie down. That, that, that's surprising to me. It feels a little, um, a little karate kiddish. And wax on, wax off. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like Daniel's son. Oh, we have the video. Let's just go. Oh, we got to have the meeting. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off. Breathe in through nose, out the mouth. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. Wax on, wax off. Daniel's son was ready for training, right? And Mr. Miyagi just goes, go wax my car. And he's like, what? Now, I maintain that, uh, that at the end of the day, he just wanted his car waxed, right? What was he getting out of this training? But, you know, get a little wax. And then to real training. But you get my meaning. He, he has to place trust in Mr. Miyagi that he knows what he's talking about even though it doesn't make sense at this moment, even though he's ready to rock and roll, he's ready to learn, he's ready to defend himself and fight in a tournament, we can be ready to live the life finally rooted in eternal things. The question is, are we gonna trust the shepherd? And he knows what we need. And he says... Go lay down. Now, why? Why would the Father do that? Why would that be verse 2 of Psalm 23? Let me ask this, answer that with a few questions. If you think about it, where do we, remember we're talking about a life without lack. A life of contentment. Where is the source of your lack in your life? 
It is not out here. We can think we lack because of the circumstances in our lives. We can locate the difficulty with our life, the reason I am not content, the reason I don't have joy, the reason that I'm so upset is because of that. And there's a testimony in scripture that says, no, that's not the source of discontent. It's here. It's what's going on here. And so what the Lord seems to be doing through Psalm 23, David learned this. He says, listen, we gotta get a little time of quiet, of rest, of renewal. Look at verse three, 3a, the first part of verse. It tells us why he tells us to go lie down. Why does he tell us to go lie down? Restoring of the soul. There's a, a ministry of focus that God, we are never gonna live the life that God calls us to. We're never gonna live the life that Jesus died for us to have. If we don't focus on the kingdom within first and foremost. Think of it this way too, another question. Where does sin and brokenness come from? Jesus is very clear in the New Testament. He says, you're so focused on the outward things Unrighteousness is not about the food that you eat and what you take in. Unrighteousness and sin is about the heart. If you're struggling with whatever sin, fill in, lust. If you're struggling with lust, yes, there's outside activity that relates to that. But if you really want to allow God to address lust, what do you have to do? You have to go to the heart of the matter, which is in the, the heart. And so if you're struggling with, with anger and all these things are, and you're focused on the circumstances and what's making you angry, if you really want God to deal with your anger, what do you have to do? You have to go to the heart of the matter. And that's the soul. Jesus said that again and again and again. And make sure you hear this, that he wants to shepherd not just our lives, not just our behavior, but he's called the shepherd of our soul. I'm convinced that most Christians are focused on behavior rather than soul. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Behavior takes care of itself. If you address the things of the soul, I think of that in sharing our faith as well. The church is focused on pointing fingers at what this world and culture is doing wrong. 
when in fact God is focused on the hearts and souls of the people he loves. Jeremiah probably wrote Lamentations and he gets at the biggest area of his need. The whole nation of Israel had been, had been decimated. And he says this, this is why I weep and my, uh, my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. No one to restore my spirit. And the Lord is saying, I will. I'll do what no one else, no other shepherd, and you can't do yourself. No other book or author or political party can do what I can do and is restore your spirit, restore your soul. Jesus says this, well, Peter says this about Jesus. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Verse 2, the first command, is he's saying, listen, let's not do a whiteboard. Let's look inward. Let's see what's going on there. Let's identify lack and need and want and longings within. If we don't, you'll never get to the life I'm calling you to live. Now, now verse two is both simultaneously surprising, different than what I think God's first command is. And yet there is this surprising comfort that's there. Do you, do you feel that? I, I think perhaps verse two is one of the reasons why Psalm 23 is among the favorite is because it reveals the character and agenda of God for our lives, the, the first steps. Right? We, and so if you pull back, not only is it surprising, but we get to say, really, God? That, that's who you are? You, you, you want me, you want to guide me through and lay me down in, in tender grass near quiet waters. You're not a God that's saying, do, do, do. Don't ask questions. When I say jump, you say how high. Sometimes I think that's the American God that we put them together. Is he really that kind of God that says, I love you? Listen, I, you're running on, in the rat race and you're focused on the wrong things. I wonder if that's why when Jesus says, come to me all who are weary, and he says, I will give you, say that a little bit louder. I give you rest. And then he goes on to talk about his character. Remember that verse? For I am gentle and I am humble. 
saying, you, you can trust me. I'm good. I love you. I'm not the taskmaster. Would you trust me enough to stop the rat race? And let me teach you some things. That's the God I want to be my shepherd. Even though I don't fully get it, even though I don't fully understand, I guess that's where, where faith comes in. So I say, okay, God, I, I really want to do good in this world. I want to do good by you, but maybe. Who knows that we can be frantically busy but desperately bored at the same time. Yeah? Who knows that we can be in the midst of a big crowd but dreadfully alone, right? He keeps saying, it's not about here. It's about here. Just wanted to share this passage in Revelation 7, 17. It's a picture of the end. It pictures of when the, the women and men of God, the children of God are gathered together finally into eternity. And listen, go to the, the next screen. Listen to what it says. For the lamb at the center, who knows who the lamb at the center is? Jesus of the throne will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's who Jesus is. That's the shepherd he wants to be. He begins and he ends with the restoration of your soul, will we let him is the question. Now, I think this is a profound shift for many of us, not all of us. Some of you are farther along in this than I am for sure. But it's a, it's a shift where we see the Christian faith of not only do's and don'ts, but we also see the Christian faith only in the do, only in what we can do for God. And the Christian faith includes the do, absolutely. Includes, there's a call, we'll talk about this in a few moments. There is an invitation to keep on doing good. But the shift that I think Psalm 23 is inviting us into, and by the way, is part of our vision. Part of our vision is that we would be a church that is focused on the soul, especially in, in the deeper spiritual formation. A deep spiritual formation isn't just about what we know. It's about who we are and, and what God and how he's forming and shaping the brokenness within. And he's bringing restoration 
and healing. We want to be a church about the word of God. We want to be a church about the spirit of God. We also want to be a church about the soul and how he is knitting us together that we would be formed in Christ and who he's called us to be. It's a big moment for me that was a shift. In fact, I was watching a, uh, I was watching this church planting conference. And I was watching, and it was a conference that was made up of uh, several thousand pastors and leaders of the church, and it was all about how you grow a church, how you grow a church, and and what do you have to do and all the things and you can imagine these church planters you know taking notes rapidly and the how to's and all of those things well then as a special segment they had Dallas Willard before he passed he was there with John Ortberg and and John Ortberg was interviewing Dallas Willard who wrote the book uh, Life Without Lack and I'm watching the video. Unfortunately, I wasn't there, but I'm watching the video, and and Dallas Willard is just in his philosophical way. Just there's there's truths that are flowing from him, and all of a sudden he says, "You know, God cares more about you than your church or your church plan." I could almost like feel through the video <laughs> the, the church planters go, wait, that can't be right. That what? Like, like I, I, rewind, I wanted to rewind the video and get that. What, what, what is it? No, I mean, the church is big and it has a calling and it's crucial and, and I'm just one person small, that can't be right. He's got to be focused on the church. Dallas Willard goes on and he says, you know, I've never met a person that thinks enough about themselves and how much God loves them. That God did not make the church the ground, the, the crown jewel of creation. He made human beings. He, he did not make the oceans and the mountains and Pikes Peak as gorgeous as that is. He did not make that the crown jewel of creation. He did not make lions and tigers in his own image. He didn't make career or issues of social justice in his own image. And I had to wrestle with that. Why is all my activity focused on the church and outward things? When God is like, no, 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 I, am, I want you to slow down because who knows that I'm not going to do the outward well if the inward is broken. Yes? Yep. And in fact, if we're paying attention, we're seeing 
that even when there's times of the outward being doing well, there's a deep brokenness within and it blows up. I have a friend, a, a pastor, I'll call him Mark, not his real name, but just, and he planted a church and I talked with him a few times because he was, boy, he's a good leader. He was growing the church. He grew the church to several thousand. And then there began some stories and struggles that his interpersonal was hard. He was harsh. He was hurtful. He wasn't kind. Now, there's two sides to every story, right? I talked to him about his side, but ultimately, um, the church asked him to step away from the church he planted and grew to thousands. And it was because the staff and the leaders around him were saying, there's something not right here. And I thought, why, why do I spend all my time on the outward things, career, church for me, What's that for you? What's the outward things for you? As God's saying, I, here, I, I want to bring you to this place where, where you hear my voice. Can you trust me enough with the outside things to do some hard work and journey with it? So I hate to tell you that you have a church, as a church have been downgraded in my priority list. <laughs> Is that okay? Yep. <laughs> Some of you said no. I get it. God bless you. There's like 700 other churches. You're good. In this town alone. It's God, right? And he's saying, I want to do some soul work here. Do, do you trust me enough with your marriage to do some soul work here? Do, do you trust me enough with, with, with your career? Do you trust me enough with your kids? to slow down and do some work here. I'm trying every day to say yes. I certainly do not accomplish it every day. I, I certainly allow worry and, and want and struggle and stress to creep in. But it's amazing. It's almost like Jesus is super patient. It's almost like he's humble and gentle in heart. And he says, it's okay. I love you. I'm here for the long haul. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We'll get it. 
Yeah, I care about your marriage. Yeah, I care about your career. Yeah, I care about the desires, the wants. But you give that to me. You entrust that with me. You get focused on the things I'm calling you to get focused on. Now, I think this begs the question, how do we start to follow our good shepherd? How do we lie down in this rapidly fast-paced world of ours that is busy, busy, busy? I would say just first, quite simply, we trust him enough to begin to pay attention begin to go within. Begin to allow the invitation to quiet waters and to tender grass. We trust them enough to go within and focus on our interior lives. I'm going to warn you, this takes effort, this takes time, this takes focus. Unless you're determined, unless you see value, it just won't happen. In our busy lives, it just won't happen. So I've been using some phrases like contemplative spirituality. Contemplative spirituality, there's a heart to it, is you're pulling back and you're allowing quietness in your life so you can discern the heart of God, discern the voice of God. That there is a uh, solitude and silence is a high value in contemplative spirituality because there's really no other way to do it if there's always this constant noise, if there's always the do, 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 you you just won't get it. Some of you remember uh, the book uh, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, he's talking about, it's, um, uh, what is this? Peter Scazzaro is his last name. And, and he, his testimony was that he was a good evangelical pastor and he was doing good things for God and yet his character was still not good. And he had an illustration that really caught me. He says, this is the typical life even of Christians. Here's activity, a whole big circle. And here's contemplation or being with God. And that is way out of whack. And so the life you live is not in the healthy rhythms of God, is not in living our best life, the life in God's kingdom. This is what we need to strive for is a healthy balance. Go to the next illustration, Stephen. Yeah where we look at Jesus and we saw he wasn't all about work. Now, did Jesus accomplish some things? <laughs> Maybe a few. He did, uh, he did in just three years, right? He, he accomplished so much. 
but that didn't stop him from having times with the Lord of being quiet, of listening, of allowing the Lord to minister in deep ways uh, with him. I love Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is a psalm that many of you recognize. In fact, some of you, it's your second favorite psalm. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Right? In two different places in the psalm, the psalmist has a little bit of self-talk. And he talks to his own soul. Why, my soul, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Right? There's this dialogue. Maybe some, if they would have had institutions for mental health, he would have been committed to one, right? He's, he's having this dialogue back and forth. What's going on? He's trying to pay attention to the struggle. I want to suggest that that's part of what Psalm 23 is inviting us to do. It is to begin to simply pay attention to what's going on underneath the water, right? The illustration of the iceberg, right? Iceberg, you've got the tip of the iceberg that's above water, and we get focused and we see the tip, but below it is this huge, say below, within the soul is this so much that God wants to speak to us about and we're focused on the tip of the iceberg. That we have to build into some of the rhythms of our lives. Psalm 42, what is going on? Why am I, why am I so angry? Why, how did those words just leave my mouth? How did I make that horrible decision? Why am I so lacking? Why is nothing that I do bring content or joy? We need to stop looking at the tip of the iceberg and begin looking at within. My uh, pastors used to say, especially to men, men, you have to do a long-distance call to your heart. Say, what's, what's going on in here? What's happening? Just a couple weeks ago, there was a little bit of an edge to my words and a little bit of frustration and patience. One of my daughters came and was like, Dad, what's wrong? Did I, did I do something wrong? And I had to stop and, and first notice, she noticed it about me before I did. And then I had to say, yeah, what is that about? And I was able to go, sorry, nothing to do with you. It's what I'm focused on. And it's this disconnect and it's coming out, it's this discontent and it's coming out in you. And I realized I needed 
to get alone with God and spend a little time. Say, God, why is this happening? What's going on? I don't want to be that way to my family. Even if they deserve it sometimes, I don't want to be that way. There's a, uh, it's a New York bestseller. It's a book simply called Mindfulness. Is it a title? Some of you said that, so I guess there is a whole discussion about mindfulness happening. And I really like the discussion. It's, it's saying, hey, can you be a little bit mindful of your body? Maybe if you're huffing and puffing a lot, there's a cause, right? Uh, maybe if you're, if you're sleeping too much or whatever that is, that there's a cause, but would you be mindful of your body? Uh, talk about mindful of others. Maybe, maybe you should think a little bit about the relational dynamics at the workplace and what others are thinking and how your comment affects. Would you be mindful of others? I think there's a whole area of mindfulness of the soul that the Christian church should be leading the way. Saying, how mindful are you of what's going on underneath the water? How mindful are you of these workings? The only way I believe you can do that is spending time uh, of reducing, not being on the go, go, go continually. And being with the Lord. Let me just mention this. This is um, Galatians 6.10. We keep on doing good. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay, there's another place where, where uh, Paul says, don't grow weary of doing good. You will, it will produce a fruit eventually. So there is, I, I don't want you to hear me. I'm not saying that the Christian faith is not about doing good. It is not about doing, it's not about activity. The, there is a, a portion of that, yes, we're called to do good and be active in the faith. But for most evangelicals, We're lopsided on that side. And we're missing the soul work. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about the doing good later in Psalm 23. I want you to hear that. So, application. I'm going to go on a huge limb and ask for five minutes of your day every day this week. I don't know if you guys were ready for that. I was, I was expecting a little bit of humor. Is that, is that too much? Should I go down to four minutes or three minutes? Or could I ask you to think about five minutes of your day where you're going to spiritually or figuratively live verse 2 and a little bit of 3 of Psalm 23. I'm trying to read you now. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to give him five minutes. Is that, are you going to give me five minutes? 
Yeah? Okay, so a few. All right. Well, this might just be for you, Daniel. But I'm asking for five minutes. It can be in the morning. It can be in your car. You're turning off the radio. It can be in the evening. It could be on your lunch break. And what I'd love for you to do is you're trying to memorize, some of you are trying to memorize Psalm 23. And I'd ask you just to be with the Lord and read through Psalm 23. Say, Lord, what are you saying? What's going on in here? And would you listen for five minutes. You can set a timer. I don't, I don't think that's unrighteous. Right? Five minutes might be super hard. Right? You can go for a walk. You can have activity. But just take five minutes of listening and contemplation. Say, Lord, what do you... What are you saying? What do you want to talk about? It was a big deal for me in discipleship when I began to approach prayer and I began to say, sometimes he lets me set the topic of discussion, but sometimes I want to let him set the topic of discussion. Is that revolutionary? Would you give him five minutes of setting the topic of discussion? And you say, what's going on here? By way of preparation, I'd like to help you all cheat. Oh, cool. We'll do five minutes right now in preparation for communion. I'm not going to ask you if that's okay because I'm just going to do it. All right? Did you take a moment? Did you close your eyes? Read it again. And what I'd like you to do is call a little bit of sacred reading is I want you to listen to the whole psalm, Psalm 23. And allow a word to catch you. Allow a, a phrase to catch you. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths, paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If there was one word or a phrase or a verse, What's that one word? Just identify it in your own heart and soul. Now ask the Lord, why did that word stick out to me, Father? Father, what is it in my own heart and soul that you want to talk to me about? Would you take a moment just to speak to him about that? Maybe it's asking for forgiveness. Maybe it's asking for strength. Maybe it's asking for comfort, renewal. How would he have you pray about that one word? So Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to each one of us. You promised that the that your sheep would know your voice. Would you continue to teach us to recognize your voice? Amen. I'd like to invite the elders forward and the worship team. Do you think that Jesus established the sacrament of communion for at least part of the purpose of restoring our souls? I'm going to go with a yes that if we do it, Paul tells us, in fact, if we do it in the right heart, in the right spirit, there is healing and restoration in his broken body and shed blood. There is renewal if we really take it in faith in Christ Jesus. There's healing and renewal. 
It was the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took the bread, and after he blessed it, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In a similar way, after dinner, he took the cup. This is a new covenant in my blood. Everybody, everybody gets a new covenant relationship with Jesus. Everybody, young and old, male and female, rich and poor, everyone gets to have Jesus as their shepherd. Everyone gets to partake of his healing and restoration within. He says, do this in remembrance of me. the only requirement of this table is that you've made Jesus your good shepherd. That you've said yes to him and I will will receive your forgiveness, receive your spirit and be led by you. There's four stations For each section, just a moment, as you feel led, you can leave to your right. Would you hold on to the elements and return to your seat? We'd like to take the elements together as a community of faith in unity. All is ready. His banquet table of healing and restoration and renewal is for you.